for 25 years. Nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all hand-picked from family farms, then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Looking for some amazing TV to stream? Indulge yourself with the hits on Hulu you can't miss. Dive in with Barney, Ted, Robin, and the gang on How I Met Your Mother. All nine seasons are now streaming on Hulu. Then you can move to Modern Family, Schitt's Creek, and My Wife and Kids. We're talking every episode and every season of these shows. We're talking huge hits, streaming on Hulu whenever you're in the mood. Now we're talking. There's no place to escape to. This is the last talk. On the left. <laughs> That's when the cannibalism started. So I see, hey, Willie, what are you doing over there? Are you dismembering? Is that a human body there? Oh, I see how you're doing it there. Oh, so you're cutting off the feet. You're smashing up the, the teeth there. Huh? You, you don't want to do that. You don't <laughs> Definitely do not. That. What you want to do is you want to cut open. You want to cut open the flap. Of the, let me, hey, Billy. Billy, come over here. Come look what Willie's doing. Oh, yeah, he's doing it wrong. He's doing it wrong. You really want to peel the face off like it's a mask over a skeleton. All right, yeah, that's all right. how you want to do it. <laughs> this is the Canada last. is filled with backseat drivers. Oh, my goodness. It is nothing but backseat drivers in every aspect well, of life. let's get back into it. This is the last podcast on the left. I'm Ben Kissel. That's Marcus Parks. We have shirtless Henry Zabrowski. Hard as a... Hard as a soft cheese. <laughs> All right, we're on to Robert Pickton part two. Uh, I guess it only gets more brutal, more disgusting, and more Canadian from here. Oh, <laughs> man, this is one of the, this is truly the Canadian serial killer story. Oh, my. I really like it. It's 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 all in one. He's like Johnny Appleseed oh. for us. Because you know that Johnny Appleseed killed some vagrants. I'm sure <laughs> he did. You know, as he was going down the road, he's planting trees. He's like, yeah, for every tree. It's legal for me to kill one boy. <laughs> Maybe. He's really just a litterer. Yeah. Isn't that not right? No, actually, he's the opposite of the litterer. Is that right? But yeah, he's we'll a fruit bat. Oh, you're talking about Johnny Appleseed. I'm talking Johnny Appleseed. Yeah. I'm sorry, I got sidetracked by the Johnny Appleseed conversation, but we are on to Robert Pick. Yeah, this is not an episode about Johnny Appleseed. We do have to cover him at some point. <laughs> Soon. Soon. That is an episode. So in the early 80s, Willie Pickton started taking the excess animal parts from his mini butcherings Ooh. down to a rendering plant called West Coast Reduction in Vancouver. <laughs> That is where I'm going to go to get my stomach uh, reduction surgery, <laughs> my body contour surgery. I am going to West Coast Reduction, and uh, hopefully they just don't make me look like a huge pig. Now, for those of you who don't know, rendering plants repurpose all of the extra parts of an animal unfit for human consumption in their original form. For example, entrails, bone, feathers, fur, and whatever else is left over from the carcass. Hmm. Rendering plants also process cooking grease from restaurants, <laughs> and all of it's mixed in one big vat, ground up, and moved to fryers where it's all cooked until the grease is separated. And technically, at one point, the Fieri family, <laughs> the, the, the grandfather Fieri was visiting one of these rendering plants and a single fa hair fell from his goatee uh -huh. and the sprung guy. Oh, Guy Fietti. Isn't that amazing? I could see you there just as a child just wearing short shorts just with a big ladle and a just licking the spoon as you dip it in this disgusting sludge. Come on in the water.
but I'm still wearing a fucking shirt inside because I was just so ashamed of my body. Mrs. Zabrowski, we need to talk about your son. Oh, God. Just let him swim. Just I know. Is he eating too much of the swell? Is he eating too much? The kids can't swim? Oh, yeah. We're so proud of him. He's got such a big throat. It's got a, he got his father's throat. He's hired. Well, the grease that is separated from the solid stuff is oh. then made into cosmetics, oh. soap, paint, or candy. So you mean to tell me, honestly, <laughs> they take assholes and sinews, hoofs and fur, and that's what's like on our celebrities' faces. Yeah, yeah. gelatin. So J Law, when she went to the Emmys, uh-huh. was covered with the slurry of whatever and whatever it is we choose not to eat as the apex predator. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually kind of, that makes me feel good in a strange way. We're all just covered in slime. (laughs) Well, the goo left over is pressed into pellets for farm animals or the little stars that you feed your pet cat. Oh, Wendy. And most of Robert Picton's victims over the years, or parts of them at least, would find their way into the vats at West Coast Reduction. God, it mm. just sounds like the place where the Joker was made. <laughs> yeah, it does. It sounds like in Gotham where you go to hide out. Yeah, it's like Axis Chemicals. Ooh, yeah. I am trying to think, what kind of candy was made here? I mean, it's got to be a hard candy. No, no, I'm not, absolutely A soft not. candy? No, as far as a I Werther's know. A Werther's original? <laughs> oh, my God, if they made Werther's out of this. As far as I know, uh, gelatin in okay. candies. I'm pretty sure that's what it is, is that, like, if you look at a candy, like, say, like a Mike and Ike. Sure. Mike and Ike, definitely. You know what I do? I only eat the mics. The Isn't only, that weird? The only yeah. eat the mic. Which one of the mics? Whichever one I call a mic. <laughs> I say, you're a mic, I eat you. You're a mic, I throw you away. Well, guess what? The mics are the ones that are made out of the the poor, uh, the, the scrape from the bottom uh, homeless men. Is that? That what? are just sort of the, the troll of this country, the people, the, the, the lost, the forgotten. Well. The ones that there's no reach out for. They're the ones turned into the mics. I'm eating the Ikes. From now on, (laughs) I'm going to eat the Ikes. Well, whatever Willie didn't take to West Coast Reduction, he fed to the pigs. Ooh. Lucky pigs. I know. That's the thing. They're eating eating nothing but candy. No, they're they're having fun. Cat food. No, No. they're not eating candy and cat food. They're eating humans. They're eating just parts. (laughs) I don't think you got what. You didn't get what I was saying. I got stuck on the candy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so the pigs are eating humans. Yeah, they're eating humans. You were the type of senator that allowed to happen what happened in Vancouver during the nineties. (laughs) I'm still thinking about the candies. Exactly. Uh, That's all you think about is nothing but candy, just Mikeanites. That's the problem. That's what Ronald Reagan did. Nothing but jelly. <laughs> Jelly. Mm. Now, Willie was a steady customer at West Coast Reduction for decades, and nobody asked why Willie, unlike other farmers, would include big black chunks of meat with all the rest of the useless entrails and bones. So he's given basically just big, dinty, more size um, uh, chunks of meat to these people. And how many years was this happening? 20? Mm, and they didn't, and, but that's not a red flag for them. Well, Willie Pickton was actually uh, pretty careful about what actually went into the rendering plant, but we're going to get into that on episode three. Ooh. Now, the rendering plant just dumped the barrels and sent Willie on his way right out into Vancouver's prostitute stroll, as it was called, which began just a block away from the plant. Oh. What I like is that every single documentary I watch, so first of all, imagine the smell. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Just the, the fumes just coming out of this rendering plant mixed with, mixed with the girls. They obviously have to cover up 
like extra oh, because yeah. of the smell because you're like these are not these are not Willie Pictons. These are normal like working girls. These are out there trying to go to normal human beings for the most part. And so they're trying to smell normal. He's out there. What I loved is that every single documentary about Willie Picton always called it going out on the town. <laughs> right. And that's when Willie would go out on the town again. And I was like, he wasn't putting on a top hat and coattails. <laughs> this isn't like Broadway. This isn't Park Place from a Monopoly world. Right. This is the rendering plant district of Vancouver. Why don't we build around the rendering plant? We'll treat it like a Major League Baseball stadium. We'll Ooh. put restaurants all around Ooh. it. It's a great idea, like right? Margaritaville. Like Mar- a university, yes. like a universal city walk. And it has an AMC 20 and it has it has like a frozen yogurt place. Hey, I'm Guy Fieri. I'm looking to set up an American grill right next to this here rendering plant. This is actually where I was born, you know. <laughs> now, we talked a little bit about our own experiences in Vancouver's downtown east side on the last episode, mm-hmm. but it really can't be understated what sort of hellhole this place really has been for the last 30 or so years. I mean, Ooh. when we went to the downtown east side yeah. we were talking about last week, when we went to it, that is nothing new. That isn't mm-hmm. like the heroin epidemic that North America is going through right now. That didn't produce the downtown east side. No. The downtown east side has been like that for decades. East Hastings is it, it is a broken-in couch. That is a They are very comfortable with the yep. heroin. People are real used to what's going on down there. It's just like everyone's got their spots. You can literally see where it's been like, well, that's Stutes, that's Spider Joe's spot. And yep. over here, that's Broken Window Heidi's spot. Yeah, it is like when you go to your friend's house and have all the furniture has springs sticking out of it and you sit down and you're like, no, you don't sit there. What are you, an idiot? Don't sit there. Everyone knows that's the springy cushion. Well, back in the late 70s, local politicians made a concerted effort to push any and all unsavory elements in Vancouver to this specific location. Sex workers, drug addicts, and mental patients from the recently closed Essendale Hospital all found a home in the downtown east side. Now, when they're doing that, do they actually just be like, out of sight? Out of mind. Yeah, exactly I think so. What they See did. you later. I think so. I think they just put them there in a neighborhood, and then they they were like, "Well, we gave them, we gave them th- things. We gave them infrastructure. We gave them places where we get clean needles." And basically, we're just mm-hmm. like, "Boom! Y'all just stay here. We're not going to put any of the fancy restaurants or any of the fancy stores here because you notice in Vancouver, it's like five blocks north. That's it. It's over in that was a gas town. Gas town. Yeah. It's down in gas towns where it's nice and sweet, and you can see the dividing line. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, they just stopped putting shit in over here. They just let them, and so they're rich stay over on that side simply because the shops are over there and over here there's there's no place for middle income or anybody else to go to. Now most of these people live when they have enough money for a room in single occupancy hotels. The worst of these was Vernon Rooms which was said to be a breeding ground for hepatitis Mm. and rumored to be where Vietnamese gang members shot snuff films. Mm. But of course that's just a a big room. But also there's there's an American translation I think that was wrong here. They were making snuffle films which is just weird erotic (laughs) videos of people with colds. That's what they thought they were doing. But then, that, well, you know what they got? Nothing but trouble. That's <laughs> Nothing the but trouble. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, but honestly, the single occupancy rooms kind of sound kind of fun. It's no, like old no. school, like private eye. Like you sit there where you got, the, you got your typewriter and you're writing a great American novel. You drink it hot whiskey. They're no. not the character from Transmet. I mean, they're, they're not writing. They're on heroin. They're shaking in the corner in between different sexual exchanges. No, it's much closer to Basket Case than it is to, like, a private oh, eye story. Good reference. Well, thank you. By the way, <laughs> Cult of Chucky, not that bad of a movie. Not that bad. I did. A fun movie. It's worth cool. it. It's, a, yeah, worth it's a worthwhile watch. Yeah, it's very good. I love Jennifer Tilly. Well, the downtown east side, street drugs, 
crack houses, brothels, pornography studios. If it was bad for you, that place had it. Well, the amazing thing about this place is that it usually isn't violent. Not unless you're a sex worker. Mm. This area could easily have been described as a playground for serial killers for about 20 years. As we said last episode, Gary Ridgway was said to claim at least a few victims here. When Ridgway was caught, police found a map of the lower mainland of Canada in his truck, and a musician named Gary Big, that's big with two Gs, said his girlfriend used to have a good time in Ridgway's RV when he came to town. And then there was Gilbert Paul Jordan. Uh Jordan particularly targeted First Nations women who make up somewhere around 15% of the sex workers in the downtown east side, but around 40% of murder victims in the area. From what I can tell, Native sex workers are Vancouver's version of the least dead, much Mm. like black sex workers are treated here in the United States. In fact, this story shares quite a bit with the story we told oh so long ago about South Central L.A. In South Central L.A. in the mid-80s, it was suspected that there were up to six different serial killers Mm. targeting black sex workers, including the Grim Sleeper. Mm. The body count was in the high dozens, and no true investigation took place. In fact, back then, you hear stories about the LAPD when they would find a black prostitute, they would write DNI on the body bag, Mm -hmm. which just stood for do not investigate. Well, because to them, they didn't want to crack open the hornet's nest. Yeah. They, they, they feel like this idea of like, oh, if we go in there, it makes it. And also, they just, they just didn't give a shit. And so we're going to find out the same thing with the Vancouver police and just how deeply they didn't serve their country. It's like, it's really fucked up during this time period. Yeah. Under-policing is also uh, very dangerous. Yeah, it absolutely yeah. is. Now, the same type of thing was happening at the same time in Vancouver. For example, the aforementioned Gilbert Jordan's MO was to force Native women to drink deadly amounts of liquor so he could watch them die of alcohol poisoning. Good lord, that's like what that's like Ed Larson to himself. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Am I I feel like I'm that's I have to think about my life. I think life. you're a serial killer. <laughs> yeah, of myself. <laughs> now this guy was active for decades and was so well known by name that cops made a joke out of it. When they found a native woman who had died from alcohol poisoning, they'd say Oh, we got another Jordan-esque here. Whatever. Jeez. They just didn't care enough to prove it. That's right, fucking right. terrible. I guess that is very difficult to prove, uh, alcohol poisoning. It's, it, a, it's difficult to prove, yeah. but, uh, you know, they knew. They knew that right. this guy was doing shit. And it was, it, I guarantee you, it wasn't the only fucking thing that he was doing. No. They just needed to look into it. They just needed to have some sort of proof. And yeah. they finally got it, at least a little bit, in 1988, 23 years after Jordan's first suspected murder. Even then... It was just manslaughter, and he only got six years. Jeez. Wow. Gilbert Paul Jordan, it, it sounds like he could have been a horrible clothing designer as well, <laughs> but he went he went another way with it. I make it's all overalls. It's all overalls, and the best part about it is that your dick can hang out the side. <laughs> I love my new... It's called... It's overmost, That's oh, what I call it. I see. There was another two possible serial killers besides this guy and Picton going in the 80s. Mm. From 1982 till 1989, 14 women were killed. 
Eight were strangled, pointing towards Bridgeway. Five were stabbed, and one was bound and tortured. Despite all this, the Vancouver Police Department refused to admit that there was even one serial killer, much less four. What are they doing? Think about how much work it is to investigate one serial killer, never mind four. As soon as this shit starts piling up, it's like we got the hobbits in a Vancouver Police Department that are looking at this shit and basically just saying like, oh... Uh, this will stop eventually. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> cool. just like, this will all eventually stop, and then we can all get back to, like, oh, you guys, we can take those ski shots together, we can go axe throwing, mm. we can do anything. We, and so, but we just need to, w- once we get to May, I'm certain <laughs> with Easter, all of this will die down. But isn't this, shouldn't, if you get into the police force, you become a detective, a serial killer's on the loose, wouldn't this be why you got in? Isn't this exciting? And then to have four of them? I don't understand how you don't just flip this and be excited to go to work every day and try to hunt a killer. It's not up to you. It's not up to the detectives. It's not up to the beat cops. It's up to the people at the top. It's mm. up to the people at the top. Have you never seen The Wire? No, I haven't. <laughs> I was watching Cult of Chucky uh, for quite a while now. Or any cop show. Ever. No, I haven't. Any cop I've seen, movie I, I watched ever. NYPD Blue uh, <laughs> growing up, and I saw Dennis Franz's ass, and uh, that has traumatized yeah, me. You should watch the first 48. Oh, I do watch the, watch the first forty eight. I love the first, first forty eight. Of course, because talk about what it, what um like because first forty eight is like those are cops working hard and yeah. they still look bored <laughs> and they still are just like well you know it's just they're just so broken by how many fucking dead bodies they see a week that they're just out there just like yep they're on the slab but they work hard they do yeah. first forty eight a great docu series yeah, check that pe- one out these people do work hard but without uh, I mean like Henry was saying serial killer investigations are very difficult and they're yeah. very expensive okay. And and if you don't get the funding and the support from up top, then nothing is going to happen. And we're about to get into just how the Vancouver Police Department rejected all of that. These politicians are in there thinking about candy. They got to <laughs> start funding the police to get detectives positions. to find these you serial killers. You just pivoted three times. <laughs> Good Lord. So the RCMP, remember the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, the uh, Canadian, uh, Canada's version of the FBI? They even tried <laughs> <laughs> Oh, FBI is here. Uh. The RCMP even tried to help out in the early 90s by forming a team of profilers called Project Eclipse, but that went nowhere because the the Vancouver Police Department had no idea what to do with their findings, nor did they want to know. Now, some give mm. the VPD the caveat that profiling was still pretty new at this point, but for fuck's sake, profiling had been used to capture people back in the 50s, and the FBI's Behavioral Science Unit had been around since 1972. Damn. They have right. no fucking excuse here. Damn, dog mate. Dude, well, he's I on been fire. Getting, Marcus I've, Parks is on fire. I've been getting so fucking worked up about this this week, and if you want to see evidence of just how lazy, ignorant, and spiteful the VPD could be, look no further than Kim Rosmo. Rosmo was a world-renowned profiler who actually worked in the Vancouver Police Department. Not only did they refuse to use him at any time, but they actively and openly despised him. Boom shakalaka from way downtown. Marcus Parks, he's on fire. Goes the dynamite. Honestly, Rosmo was the kind of guy, though, that would ask at the end of class, teacher, teacher, you forgot to give homework. Like, he was that kind of guy, which is what you want for me, as a police officer, I would like somebody who takes his job, like, way too seriously rather than a bunch of guys essentially fly fishing out of their fucking garbage cans in their office. <laughs> right. 
Now, Rosmo developed a system called geographic profiling, which hypothesizes in most cases correctly that serial killers start with areas they're most comfortable with, then expand that area more and more the longer they go without getting caught. He sure. b- he built an entire computer program. Like it was a topographical program. Mm. It was brilliant. And he went all over the world. You know, he consulted on thousands of cases in countries all across the world and helped out in a lot of them. And considering mm. how Willie started with girls picked up near the rendering plant, then moved to other locations up and down the east side, this would have been the perfect tool for them to use. Look yeah. at where the victims were last seen, find out who spends a lot of time in that particular area, and go from there. But the men mm. in the VPD who impeded Rosmo at every turn were only concerned with how much attention Rosmo got from his brilliant profiling work Ugh. and resented the fact that he had jumped high in the ranks because of his skills. Oh, my goodness. The infighting, not saving lives. Believe me, when we were doing the uh, program, I forget what it is. We've done this discussion before, and we always forget where you get the stickers and the button, and you get the free pizzas for reading a book in elementary school. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, the, the Pizza Hut Pizza Club. Yeah. I was racking up so many free pizzas because, number one, love pizza. Of course. Number two... I loved to read genuinely, even uh-huh. as a child. And so I'm out there, bam, bam, sinking, sinking fucking shots right. from the three-fro line. That's books. I'm a spring, bing, bing. The jealousy I got, the uh-huh. heat I got on my back, I understand where Rosmo's coming from. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text and that helps you save time i know i'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse pics now part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents accounts now so what i've done to do is like so while i'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse picks over various country borders i then also have time because squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home so thank you squarespace for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch go to squarespace.com left to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here. I, I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine, and it's an addiction. It's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins. As soon as I wake up, and a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. 
Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp! H-E-L-P dot com slash LastPod. Hey! Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. That's one of my favorite things about it. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. Now, personally, I'm in the middle of re-landscaping my yard. I like to do it myself because I called up a landscaper to see how much it cost, and it was absolutely insane. Plus, I love dirt. I love getting my hands in the dirt, and I love planting things myself. And fast-growing trees has given me some wonderful plants that I can use. Like I got this uh, Texas sage, it's purple. I've dug up a whole bunch of horrible bushes and shrubs up in front of my window and in front of my house and put some purple Texas sage up there and it's going to thrive and it's going to look real good. And I didn't even have to go to a nursery to buy it. It came to my house. Now, this spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEFT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code LEFT at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code LEFT. Offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Yeah, well, you know, I did very well in that as well because I learned all you have to do is have three facts about the book. Yeah. Cheat! <laughs> you just go through, you open up four random pages, you'll pick up three facts, and then you just kind of lie. And teacher, teacher, then, teacher, I read that book. I read the book. It's got a, it's got a dog in it. Yeah. Uh, finds a flower in it. Um, Benjamin, you're actively just looking at the book in front of me. I'm reading it. Yeah. <laughs> it's got a, it's got a talking cheese in it. Yeah. So give me my damn pizza. And then you're so physically intimidating to the teachers that you were just giving you pizza. Oh, I, was I don't getting, think it was just that easy. No, it, I just think they were giving you points. I was, I was just one of the average ones in seventh grade. I yeah. didn't hit my spurt until 13. Well, me and, oh. and me and uh, Henry, man, we were getting free pizzas left and right, and we were doing it. Honestly. And we're all together now. (laughs) So who won? Who won? Well, the guys that were impeding Rosmo's investigation, they were known in the police department as the Old Boys Club. (laughs) I never want to know what the Old Boys Club is like. Just the cigar ash, the salami, and the the disgusting, uh, what's the name of those little anchovy? Honestly, the three things you just said are great. So, <laughs> <laughs> And these guys were petty as fuck with all this, too, and extremely Canadian. They would change meeting rooms, not tell Rosmo, and then chastise him for being late. Ugh. 
They cut his office supply budget so he couldn't buy enough paper. <laughs> what a fucking nerd, though. Come on, yeah. Rossmo. At some point, Rossmo, you need to get your own shit together. You need to fight for yourself. Paper is expensive. It's kind sure. of funny to cut his office supplies. <laughs> oh, yes, it does. It is. Where is my damn stapler? I don't. I I had. Uh, I swear to God, I had a new box of sta. I had a whole new box of staplers and sta and staples in here. Yeah, yeah. And the strangest thing is, I'm stapling all four of the sides of my papers oh, with these four God. staplers. Yeah. Why always? <laughs> you dickheads are the problem. You're right. People like me never get any work done. Well, I don't know why you don't have a stapler. <laughs> and another time, someone needed a bulletin board, so they just came in and took Rosmos without saying a word. <laughs> hey, gu- uh, hey, guys. Uh, guys, uh, you need that. Guys. Uh, guys, I'm in the middle of a crime scene. I just... <laughs> Well, had they just listened to the man in the police department who spent half a decade screaming that there was a serial killer on the loose, they could have saved dozens. And it wasn't just Kim Rossmo either. The Vancouver Sun did some fantastic investigative reporting uh, to really get the attention that this case deserved. Uh, And there were people in the downtown east side that were there every single day. I mean, if if I'm getting this worked up about all this, like, imagine the people that were down there for, that have been down there for decades watching these women disappear one by one by one and the police doing nothing. Case workers, the families of the victims, all of these people in the area, other sex workers that are just in the watching their friends just disappear off the street it was incredibly mm. incredibly dangerous and uh, it got to a point where it's like i wish there was a the i wish the outreach had went so far as to help them get out of those neighborhoods instead of just making them happy to mm-hmm. be there well there was i was actually talking to our uh, new intern rachel the other day oh, yes. uh and she has a friend that actually spent like a year in the downtown east side like writing a paper really studying like everything that went around down there and uh she told me that in those needle exchange programs mm-hmm. they actually have a room upstairs that's a re- that's a detox facility mm. but the problem is is that the detox facility doesn't get as much funding as, as the, the other needle. you know as the yeah, needle exchange yeah. and all the other shit like the detox program is almost an afterthought mm. yeah and that guy is actually a listener so Hello. 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 <laughs> and it wasn't just the cops. It was the higher-ups, too. Even one of Vancouver's mayors in the late 80s essentially said, there was a terrible thing that all these women were dying, but what can you do? What can you do? Hey, I will come there. Her name is Mayor Griskins. <laughs> I tell you, there's a couple of fun things to do around here. I know there's a lot of women dying, but I tell you what you can do. You can go up to Paul Kinquit. You get yourself a four-foot hole in ice. You bring your old lady up there, and you sit there, and you got some good fishing going. And then you get a moose to come out of the come out of the woods there, right? Begin to make love to your wife. You videotape it. <laughs> sort of a moose film, a, a sexual cuckold, cuckamoose, a cuckold film. And oh, what I does see. this have to do with the missing sex workers in Vancouver's downtown east side? What can you do? It's just things that you can do when you ask. What can you do? Yeah. <laughs> Now, it's possible that Willie's first victim was Wendy Louise Allen, who disappeared from the streets on March 30th, 1979. She was the first of many to go missing altogether that could be, in some way, linked to Picton over the next 20 or so years. Hmm. The next was Rebecca Guno, who disappeared on June 22nd, 1983, followed by Yvonne Marlene Abagosis on New Year's Day, 1984. Hmm. And this falls in line with what we know about serial killers. 
the gap between the first and second victim is usually pretty big. Right. The thrill the killer gets from the murder lasts longer. Well, it's because it's fresh, and it's the first time he's ever, like, fulfilled his fantasy. Mm-hmm. Right. And so then he really is riding on it, and he's probably really worried about where the, what, what's going to happen with the body, what's going to happen afterwards, he's going to get caught. Mm-hmm. And then it's like all of a sudden you so things can build up, and then all of a sudden, number two starts really popping his head around the horizon. Yeah, sometimes it can be years between number one and number two, but that cooldown period gets shorter and shorter every time, which I knew you were going to laugh bet between number one and number two. If it takes years between number one and number two, you got to change your diet. You got to infuse even some candy or fiber. Just get something in there. It should not take that long. I see I see what you're doing right there. Eating a lot of protein, eating a lot of Garbs yeah. right there shouldn't be doing that. Shouldn't you need to be, be doing, doing that. this. You need to be eating a lot of sun chokes. That's what I, I got. I ate close to a pound of sun chokes last night, and I farted myself awake. Uh, in the middle <laughs> like CeeLo did on the plane ride that you were on. Yes. With yes. <laughs> now the cooldown period gets shorter and shorter every time, which is usually how these guys get caught. But if nobody gives a fuck about the victims and nobody's watching out in the areas they're being taken from, then the killer can have multiple slip-ups before anyone pays attention, as we'll see in spades with mm. Willie Picton. Now, the earliest known story is of the grapevine sort, but in 2004, a former sex worker in the downtown east side said that a friend of hers actually filed a report of kidnapping and assault against Picton in 1984. Hmm. The story is unverified, but it falls in line with both Picton's and the Vancouver Police Department's patterns. Nothing was done, and it wouldn't be the last time Willie would escape the law. And part of this had to do with the crew he ran with. I will say that's the one difference between Picton and a lot of other serial killers is that he had a crew. Like, he had a Mm -hmm. bunch of people around him. He had his brother. He had people, like, in that whole, like, and the more people he brought into the world of the pig farm, there were more people there that were then complicit with his crimes, which then made them have to be uh, secretive about it. Right. So so you'll see. I think that really protects him a lot of the time is the fact that he has a lot. There's a lot of trickle down to get to him. Yeah. Uh, It does seem a little bit strange, though. It's not like this guy was, uh, you know, a senator's son. He's a pig farmer. Uh, I, I just don't see how he was an untouchable by the law enforcement. Be like, we can't deal with it. We don't take down the Picton family. Well, we'll actually, the best pig farmers around. We'll actually get into why. You okay. know, like there there are actual reasons why. I mean, first of all, Willie Picton and Dave Picton were millionaires. They were huge business people in the center of like Vancouver. These guys were running a massive industry. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Now, late last episode, we talked about the criminal endeavors of the Picton brothers and the complicitness of Willie's brother Dave cannot be understated in this story. In fact, a lot of the dirtbags that hung around the Picton farm can share the blame here. Part of the reason was because they were all awful people as well. These were fucking terrible scumbags that hung around the Picton farm. And have you seen a picture of Dave? No. Dave looks like, you know that guy with the big crazy beard that's that, that hotel chain mascot? He, he also sort of looks like the other dude from the Game of Thrones. I sound like my mother. Right. Yeah. I sound like when I'm oh, describing things. Now, let's just give, I'll give you an example of just Dave Picton in particular being an absolute huge piece of shit. In the early 80s, Dave sexually assaulted a young woman who was working as a flag girl for one of his construction projects because that was Dave's part of the business. Dave did construction and demolition specifically. Dave was charged, but as the trial drew nearer, he sent some of his biker friends around the girl's house for a little witness and intimidation mm. and this was something that the Picton brothers would do again and again and that's part of why uh people didn't report willie Picton when they knew shit was weird or wrong uh that's part of why even 
when we get into in the third episode, when we get into the most baffling of Willie's escapes, the intimidation factor has a lot mm. to do with it. But in this case, Dave was still found guilty, but he was only fined a thousand dollars and got probation. What? Fined and probation. Oh my goodness! I tell you what, dude. Look, the piggy mafia runs so fucking deep. <laughs> this is the piggy that mafia. Stinky, stinky piggy mafia. Oh, man. They're out there. You got there because bikers are just as smelly as pig farmers. Oh, sure. Mm. And you're out there. Man, just the waves of flies <laughs> would be a lot to deal with. It's like wa a walking Amityville horror everywhere they go. So there's some systemic issues going on here in Vancouver oh. when it comes to letting these scumbags get away with all these horrible things. Yeah. Now, over the years, the Picton Farm became a place for all the low lives of Vancouver and Coquitlam to drink, hang out, and relax. And even though everyone still called Dave Piggy behind his back, he was still in charge of the whole damn thing. Well, but he was also one of those guys that liked to brag about his criminal connections. He liked mm. to brag that he knew some Hell's Angels. He liked to brag that he knew like one of Vancouver's most to notorious criminals. This guy was like a crack cocaine kingpin. Okay. He'd tell everybody that he knew these people. He's still just piggy behind their backs, though. Yeah. And also, I'm sure that those people love to hear him talking shit about them and explaining how he knows them as much as possible. There's nothing like big secret, like criminals love, is for everyone to tell everyone all of their business. Oh, that's not a <laughs> surefire way to get yourself wearing cement boots, boots and being on the bottom of the lake. No, absolutely not. T talk about them. Well, Dave was kind of the social butterfly of the scene, but nobody paid a whole lot of attention to his weird brother, Willie. All anyone knew in the 80s was that you never went into Willie's room. Why would you want to? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> One girlfriend of Dave's who breached Willie's boundaries got a death threat and a glass of milk in her face for wandering into his basement. That's called starting a Canadian duel. <laughs> oh, no. It's worse than being slapped in the fa face with gloves. Yeah. So he's just sitting in his basement slamming whole milk? Yeah, well, oh, I mean, God. he's just like, I mean, we've got another milk man. Another milk Kaczynski. guy. we man. got Dave we, Burke. We might have to start banning milk. <laughs> is milk the problem? Milk is a problem. It's becoming one. It's also politically a problem. Like, yes. I, it's. But Willie Pickton, imagine that, too, because you got the guy that's the big, like, probably fake hard-ass that's talking about all his criminal connections. You've got bikers hanging out. He's covered. He's the, the hard-ass of the entire industry. He's got a nice beard. He's telling about his connections. But then he's got the other brother, Willie, that's essentially creepier oh, and yeah. just kind of wanders around and then they have to all like because you know Dave compensates for Willie like he'd say like a weird joke he's like oh is that right Willie and Willie be like yeah <laughs> he's like Haha, Willie's different <laughs> Willie's my brother you say anything about Willie you know what I mean like he gets super protective of him yeah right. well he'd always say that Willie was a few tiles short of a load Okay. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Uh, it's a construction thing. Okay. Well, Willie was the guy. The reason why they would go into his room is because Willie was the guy they'd, they'd pick on. They'd mm. like to make, like, Willie was one of those guys that it was, he was super funny when he got mad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's never good. <laughs> you know, I feel so bad for the people who are funny when they're mad. Yeah. No, Willie also kept pets. One was a vicious dog Willie would feed raw meat, and the other was a hulking hog that terrified even the bikers who hung out at the Picton place. Willie just let this huge hog chase people around, and he'd laugh, and he'd laugh, and then eventually he'd come and call the hog off because the only person the hog 
dog would answer to is Willie. Do we know if the dog or the pig were friends? <laughs> because if they and were, another, that's kind of an unusual a... animal friendship for Netflix. For Netflix. <laughs> that would have been great. That's a cute B-side. criminal animal friendship? Oh. It's, it's criminal animals that are also friends. Oh, wow. Mm. Could be. Could be. Well, the one thing that Willie would try to do to win people over was to offer them free meat. Hey. Hey, that's great. (laughs) Now, most said that the meat that Willie tried giving away was rancid. Oh. But others just ate it willingly. Oh. They're bikers. Yeah. I mean, some of, like, one woman said that Willie tried giving her, like, a side of beef that had an abscess on it. Oh, God. You know, like, if if meat is ever just handed to you. Right. Never take it. It should come in, like, a wrap thing. It should be in, like, a plastic bag. It should at least have some form of presentation. It should never be handfuls of (laughs) Loose beef. Right. No, we don't know for sure if Willie was mixing in his victims with the meat he was handing out. But one person who ate Willie's meat swears she got hepatitis C for meat. I mean, you know, that's a problem. The blame can go anywhere. (laughs) But it finally comes down to it being like, oh, it had to have been the meat I was eating. It's kind of like when you wake up super hungover and you're like, it was that last beer. That's what did to me. Not the hours of drinking. Yeah, she, she claims that she would never have gotten hepatitis C had she not eaten, you know, meat from a segment of the population uh, that was known to uh, be a breeding ground for hepatitis, Do we, A, B, and C. Is that a way to get it? Can, you, can you eat your way to hepatitis C? I don't know. I hope not. I, yeah, <laughs> I tell you what. <laughs> now, the people around the compound, like I said, they'd all play pranks on Willie, if you could call them pranks. Now, since Willie hated getting wet, even into adulthood, people would start water fights around him. Nah, like they start, nah, <laughs> this guy... <laughs> And he starts sort of shooting eggs out of his back, like in the Gremlins. This guy's like Jason Voorhees. Yeah, he didn't hate water, huh? He'd end up getting drenched, and people would point and laugh at him, and he would actually like jump up and down like Yosemite <laughs> Sam. Yeah, And he also he had red, he had bright orange hair like Yosemite oh, Sam God. too. God, I would have loved this guy to is see still that. alive, right? Yeah. If you see him, throw water on him. Just see what happens. <laughs> Uh, even though Dave egged all this on and in some cases led the torment of Willie, the two still worked together on a day-to-day basis. Every morning, Dave, Willie, and their employees would get together and have breakfast at a Coquitlam strip club called the Golden Ears to portion out the work. If if your strip club heavily advertises how good the ears are <laughs> in the establishment <laughs> and on the dancers, I don't know if it's going to be the best location for your bachelor party. I don't know. I but don't, it's the I best don't, one for breakfast. I don't think it is the best... Denny's is where you go for breakfast. Well, you just should go. What was the place you used to go to, Kissel? The Porthole? Is that the one that had the free hot dogs? That was uh, in Miami, Florida. There's a place called the Porthole. I went there with my friend Jason Kepper. They had free hot dogs, boiled hot dogs. <laughs> the most disgusting thing of all time. I do not recommend eat. Who could ever eat at one of these places? What was that place you used to go to in Madison? Smut and Eggs? Smut and Eggs, which is since closed. That was not That was not a uh, a jiggle joint or a strip club. They just, had, uh, they just had smut on the television, and then they would serve eggs and my friend used to get bloody marys from there and i did not trust the uh, quality of the uh, of the produce smut meaning hardcore full penetration pornography and then they they closed it it was a, it was a staple uh, in madison why. wisconsin <laughs> it was open for like 40 years i swear to god everyone used to go there they just closed it this year i just feel like guy fury would go there and then send the camera crew out like you'd be like oh you know this is like sorry guys this is gonna work out for everybody so you you guys just leave i'm gonna catch up with the rest of the group and then it's just him being like so 
Sometimes a man's got to take a trip to Flavortown alone. <laughs> out of bounds. That's out of bounds. <laughs> well, even daily strip club meetings weren't enough to cool the tensions between the brothers, which built up for years and years. And in the early 90s, things got so bad that Willie moved out of the basement altogether and spent a couple of months sleeping on a bed on top of one of the freezers out in the meat shed. Like Snoopy. What? <laughs> yeah. The world's dumbest cartoon dog. Uh, eventually, they got Willie his own trailer at the back of the property near the slaughterhouse, and Willie was happy to finally have some privacy. But as much as he valued that, he still had friends. Now, ironically, throughout his life, Willie always had at least one close female friend. How? How does it happen? Where is the charm? <laughs> I just don't get it. I think there's a thing in weird conservative side of criminality, right? Where it's a, kind of this idea of we're better we're better than everybody else. We're a part of the piggy mafia. We're familiar. We're La Costra Pigstra. <laughs> we're here like with each other hanging out. But a part of it is this, right? He, ta- he, gets a, he gets a woman who also views herself to be above sex workers like he is. And they both sit and talk, up, talk shit about everybody else. We're on the same page. And also there are people that look to him, I think also like... Like a charity case, which we'll get to as well as we go deeper into this. Actually, I think it's the exact opposite of that. Willie bought his way in all this. Interesting. Like he mm-hmm. would what what he would do is that he would you know because Willie was a fucking millionaire, uh, he would just he would buy women groceries, uh, he would pay their bills, just, uh, and he wouldn't be he just wasn't horrible to him. That's all it was is that he would buy them shit and he wasn't horrible to him. And a lot of these women like they were all a lot of them were getting out of horrible abusive relationships. Okay, I well. Well, yeah, maybe if it's a perfect storm, because this guy, he's surrounded by flies. He smells like the inside of a human colon. I just don't understand how anyone would want to hang out with him. But I suppose if they are that desperate for friendship, this is a, a kind of a small town in some ways. In some ways. As long as yeah. you're funny, it's a, you can get anybody. <laughs> yeah, maybe Willie. Well, one of these women was Tanya Carr. She was a friend of Dave's daughter, Tammy. Tanya had been keeping her horse at the Picton Farm for years, and when she fell on hard times in 1994, she moved into Willie's filthy, stinking, pig-shit-covered trailer for 18 months. Good God. But she said it was more like living with an uncle than anything. I would never live with my uncle. Yeah, that sounds horrible. (laughs) She just made it even worse. (laughs) She said he never tried anything and he never got appropriate, despite the two sharing a bed. She'd just go to work at Amigo Pancake House, which is still open, by the way. (laughs) Can you imagine this woman? She used to go to Willie Picton's fucking bathroom. (gasps) She used to take a shower in there. She used to walk around and then go serve flapjacks. Do you want them? Slapjacks are the, they soak up the most of all of the foods (laughs) in the world. Flapjacks absorb the most stuff. Yeah. Uh, Ma'am, I I found a uh, a hair in my flapjacks and my eggs also seems to have uh, multiple hairs. Uh, If you put it on the very tip of your finger and you blow it off and make a wish, it'll come true. (laughs) (laughs) And hopefully that wish is for hepatitis C (laughs) because you got it. You got it. How many platforms do I work on? So many platforms. Can you believe it? Google Docs. Work on that. Very complicated. Lots of different things going out. Clickety-clack, right? Slack. Saying things to my employees. All of my, all my, my main doldgers walking around here. It makes sure it changes cluck to the word I meant for it to say to everyone. But I try to say 
not curse words on Slack. What am I supposed to do about it? But Grammarly doesn't fix curse words, does it? Because Grammarly's too good for it. It's too classy. It's Grammarly is an AI writing partner that helps you get work done faster with high quality writing. Because better writing means a stronger impact. The pen is mightier than the sword. Except when the sword is in the room. 96% of Grammarly users report that Grammarly helps them craft more impactful writing and suggestions based on your audience goals and context. Can you believe it? And data privacy and security are woven into the foundation of Grammarly. It's in its goods. All right. So Grammarly's great. Use it. I use it. I love its gentle harassment of my writing style because it does help me because sometimes my thumbs are faster than my eyeballs. Don't quote me on that. Get AI writing support that works where you work. Sign up and download for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. I live by routines, but I especially love my same-day delivery routine with Shipped. And my shopper knows this about me. When Sunday rolls around and I place my weekly stock-up order, Joe sends texts from the aisles. Wilted lettuce? Nah, hard pass. Deal on my favorite sparkling water? Whew, grab two. Fresh flowers just because? Hmm, sounds like a delightful idea. If you love routines that work for you, get Shipped same-day delivery. Shipped. Delight in every delivery. Learn more at ship.com slash high. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors. It's a waste. Don't waste hours on apps. Besides appetizers, that's the kind of apps I like. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Did you know that empanadas already Spanish? I didn't. Thanks, Babbel. Did you know that burrito is already Spanish? Wow! I just got to learn all the rest. And eventually, I'm going to be eating downtown Mexico. Thanks, Babbel. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. Well, after she came, uh, after she came home from uh, Amigo's pancake house, she just helped Willie out on the farm. So they had this nice little symbiotic relationship going on. Uh, uh-huh. But here's what's interesting, is that no women went missing from the downtown east side while Tanya was living with w- Willie. So it's assumed that he wasn't active at all during that time. In fact, Willie stayed good for three years, from 1992 till 1995. That makes him very similar to Gary Ridgway. Yeah. Again, it's like there's something about having a fulfilling, close, intimate relationship that will allow you to kind of to pop out of it, which is kind of, what, what have we talked about it again and again with serial killers. So a lot of these guys, if they could figure out how to breach the gap socially that, that they would have been saved early on but mostly it's because they're losers and they can't figure out how to communicate and that's why they start murdering mm-hmm. yeah if willie hadn't have been a millionaire and been able to buy his way into all this shit uh first of all he would have been caught much sooner but i think he would have reached berserker mode a lot sooner okay but when 1995 yeah. came willie took four women down to his farm never to return and Stevie Cameron actually had testimony in On the Farm, the book where we're taking a lot of this information from. She got an interview with a survivor around this time, which gives us a little insight into Willie's possible motivations. Mm. Tracy Bunyan was picked up from the downtown east side by Willie, 
who was looking for a blowjob. He was out on the town. Yeah, he was out <laughs> on the town. He had his cane. You know, uh-huh. I mean, he had his wing. He had his rings on. He had just seen cats. He was looking for a blowjob. Out on the town, flipping a coin. Now, Tracy said she almost didn't get into the truck because the smell was yeah. so disgusting. Mm. She said Willie's trailer was more the same, if not worse, but as a professional, she went through with it. And the other thing that she noticed about the trailer was that it was full of clothes, yep. specifically women's clothes. Yep. Now, once they were done, Willie started saying he couldn't <clears throat> find his wallet, and he accused Tracy of stealing it. Willie picked up a knife and cut two buttons off her shirt. Tracy just backed up and walked outside. And eventually, Willie came out and drove her back to Vancouver. And she said the whole way back, he talked about how he liked to help working girls kick their drug habits. He told Tracy that he only gave these girls one chance. And if they relapsed, then they didn't deserve to live and were better off dead. Oh, God. Yep. And this type of thing is not uncommon at all in the serial killer world. We've seen this a lot, right? Because you basically, again, it's the series of allowances. You're setting up a system of rules of like, this is what happens. This is what has to happen in order for me to kill. I can change the rules anytime I want. I can hasten up the process as much as I mm-hmm. want. But a part of it, it's like as soon as it's clicked, and it's inter- like you got to work yourself up. Yeah, you, and then you can also victim blame, right? And be like, well, they didn't follow the rules. They relapsed or whatever. Yep. And ex- nonsense. Exactly like Eileen Wernos. She's oh. a great example of this. She had to convince herself that her victims were going to sexually assault her before she had the rage. She needed to pull the trigger. And since she had built it up so much in her mind, she was able to convince herself that she was doing uh, a great service. Right. And Picton was the exact same way. He was known to pick up the girls in the downtown east side that had the worst drug habit playing the white knight who was going to help him kick. But when they inevitably asked for drugs, Willie would use that as an excuse for murder, rationalizing it by saying they didn't deserve to live. It is a very deep, uh, dark extrapolation of the nice guy syndrome. Because that's what it is, too, is that he had this kind of idea that he's better than everybody else. I've now made a bunch of money. And a part of it, I think that's a validation for it. And then he sees what he views as the positive effect he's had on women's lives by dumping money into their life. Mm -hmm. Right? And so now he's just like, I can choose to give this gift or not. And if you decide to reject it, then I'm just going to kill you. Which makes him, I like this, he is a missionary serial killer. Yeah. Because that is true. Which is a very interesting side of him. Where he is just like he just thinks he's the best thing that ever happened to these girls. Yeah, horrible. He's, he's a missionary serial killer in the same way that Eileen Wernos is a missionary mm. ser- serial killer. In the way, same way that Gary Ridgway is a missionary serial killer, is that these people believe that they're doing a service to mankind. That's how they rationalize everything. I don't want to make light of any of this stuff, but I am thinking super soakers. Yes, <laughs> just soak this guy soak immediately. Soak. Just always be armed with a super soaker. So, in other words, like if you we think, just knew his because he has it, Achilles heel is water. <laughs> So you think that like the, all the downtown uh, East Side women should have like treated it like Ernest Scared Stupid? I, yes, yes, maybe. Yes. I don't. I'm not. I'm just like the aliens from Signs. Like that's what this is. What a scumbag! I mean, call Willie what you will. As far as this whole missionary serial ki- killer thing goes, but he was no hypocrite. This guy was bone sober. Always. The only time he had ever drank in his entire life was the night before he set off through America in the 70s on his ill-fated cherry pie trip. 
And that's why we'll see that I think the dope is the thing that made, was his very specific trigger because he made it his whole thing of being like, if I can stay sober in the world that I live in, everyone should be able to, and that's yeah. the only way to live. Is there any credence to the idea that these cops were like, well, he's killing uh, sex workers who are addicted to heroin, I guess... We're not that against what ha- what's happening. Uh, I can definitely see that. I think yeah. that there's obviously a stripe in that. We're going to find out, too, when it comes into the – once we get into what the pig farm turns into, how all that good, that old boys club kind yeah. of expanded to the pig farm. Yeah, and, and at these, some point, they're almost allowing it to happen. Yeah, I and mean, they, you, they don't care. feel that. It's one less person for them to worry yeah. about. That's how, like, cold some of these – I mean, and there's – you know, and that's, that is not to say that, like, all cops and detectives think this way. There are a ton of them that really – work hard to solve these cases but there are plenty of cops around uh the entire country hell in in the entire world just people in authority figure positions uh that just don't want to deal with it and they want their job to be easier by any means necessary and if that means people have to die then so be it kissel one day you're going to be a senator, and you'll be invited to one of these Skull and Bones party, and it's going to oh, be you, yeah. Hillary Clinton, Henry Kissinger kept alive on a fucking machine, watching a mute Asian girl dance on a sword, and they're going to be like, "You, you ready for this? This is like, this is hilarious," and they're all going to be laughing. They're like, "Oh, this is almost as good as Young Sheldon." They'll be laugh, slapping they each other on the back. They're going to love Young Sheldon. Yeah. Well, throughout Willie's life, he always made an extra special effort to portray himself as a good guy who'd always help people. When they were down, I hate people like this oh, so yeah. much. That always, yeah, I'm like, the nice guy. Yeah, I'm the nice guy. But he also he wanted people to think that he was a good guy, that people sure. could uh, depend on him, trust him. Yeah, that mm-hmm. they could trust him. And he did this uh, particularly with women, either as a way to cleanse himself of his sins through some weird, uh, you know, like backwards roundabout way, or to just throw people off his trail. Hmm. But an incident when Willie was a child points to something possibly a little deeper. He once gave a bag of hot dogs to a little girl named Lisa Yelts the for wor- free. It's like Pennywise the Clown, but <laughs> the, yes. the Canadian piggy farmer yes. version of it. Lisa, I, uh, I've been noticing you for a long time. Uh, I've been watching you from the Baca class. And uh, it's been hard, you know. It's, I I, I want to be able to say something to you. Uh, yeah, that's uh, yeah. What's uh, what do you want to say? Uh, it's a bouquet of hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is what you call when you group together a bunch of hot dogs and you give it like it's flowers. Uh, well, uh, you know, um, uh, Robert, uh, that's uh, really nice. Uh, I uh, I'm a vegetarian. You deserve to die. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he stole some hot dogs from his parents' meat locker uh, and gave this little girl a whole bag of them. That's kind of that's sweet. It's kind of sweet, you know. Like it is. So, like he sort of. Sort of. I don't know. He gave what he knew. He gave. He, <laughs> he knows hot dogs and he gives them. Yeah, and through chance, those two. Willie Picton and Lisa Yelds would meet up years later, and she would become one of the most important people in Willie's life for a time. Okay. Now, Lisa Yelds was the mother of one of Dave Picton's children, and for some reason, she and Willie just got along. 
Well, Le- yeah, he gave her hot dogs. <laughs> Lisa was the only person around the Picton farm who could ever get Willie to take a bath. According to an interview she gave in On the Farm, she'd say something like this to Willie. Willie, you're getting a little rape there. I think you need a bath and a change of clothes here, pal, because you're getting a little rude, dearie. <laughs> it's like I didn't even give you hot dogs at all the way you're treating me. Yes, now, again, the relationship never got sexual, but sometimes they cuddle a bit. Now, contrary Ugh. to what people said about Willie not being able to have standard sex, Lisa said she woke up more than once with a boner in her back. Hey, hey, you like my Willie alarm clock? <laughs> it's wake-up time. You know how you can tell? The rope got long. Oh, <laughs> Anyways. so disgusting. God, I, it is amazing that there were people around this guy. Yeah, I, I just constantly. I, there were always it's hard people. to wrap my head around it, honestly. Willie Picton was rarely uh, alone in life. Like, he would so be kind weird. of a solitary guy on the farm. Uh, but, like, in life, he always had, like, a couple of people around. He had friends throughout his but life. He's, he's no. not like a, a Ted Bundy-looking dude. Mm-mm. I mean, he's a... No, he's just another dirtbag. But I guess, as but you mentioned all earlier... they're dirtbags. They're all yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the quality of his company is not very high. Like, this see. is a group of very strange human beings. Okay. Yeah. Now, Lisa and Willie would even go on little dates together. One night, Willie took her out to see a kid's magic show in New Westminster. Lisa said Willie would clap and laugh at every trick, bewildered at the skills of the magician. <laughs> oh, that is, uh, that's incredible. He's a wizard. We need to burn the wizard alive. Tell me, wizard. I can see how you made that little ball disappear, but tell me, can you make a hooker disappear? <laughs> Just asking. I'm just, it's just, just a terrible asking. question. As, as Mr. Picton. Oh, my God. Of course he liked magic. Of course. Of course. He, I like what, magic. What do you mean? You love magic. I like magic. No, but not no, like that. You love, no, I'm you not going to clap like a seal yeah. and be like, oh, it's, a, it's, oh, I can't, how did it happen? How did it occur? Yes, you love illusory magic. I do. Yeah, you're a card trick guy. Well, what happened? <laughs> Now, even though Yeld's claims to have never known anything about Willie's other life, she said she always got a particular vibe from him. She said, I always had it in the back of my mind that Willie could be a serial killer, but I was never afraid of him myself. I knew he would never hurt me. But everyone else, yep. Yeah. <laughs> if it's in the back of your mind, I say bump it up. Bump, bump it forward. Bump it up. Get it bump forward it and then bump get it, it to your mouth and then go to the police. Get your little feet to the police if, and then tell if them. If you just so happen <laughs> to think your God. friend might be a serial might killer. Be. Might be. Might be. So even though Willie would describe himself as, quote unquote, only a pig man throughout the years, he ranked. Uh, what? It's, just like, it's like a sad school. Hat, like, I'm just a bill, just a bill on Capitol Hill. I'm only a pig man. Now, throughout the years, he ran quite a few other side businesses out of the Picton farm with his brother, Dave. Their first endeavor was cockfights. I just don't understand the entertainment value of cockfights. I like watching humans fight. Like, I like even just a bare-knuckle fight. Sure. Like, I would be down with something like an octopus fight. Mm-hmm. But oh. some of my chickens is going at each other. It's just not that entertaining. Like, I don't think no. it's gross. I just don't think it's very fun. Especially after watching the great documentary. I believe it's on iTunes. It was on Netflix. Chicken People. Oh. You Chicken have to people. watch Chicken People. If you haven't seen Chicken People, that is a must-see on the queue. Now, using connections with a Filipino butcher Willie had worked with since the 70s, Dave and Willie put on all-day, all-night cockfights every Sunday for Vancouver's Filipino population. 
All right. Now, while the cockfights were a great success, the business they started after that in 1995 was even more lucrative. Since the Pictons have been hosting parties at the... No, they made more a lot of money at these cockfights. How, how much money are you making cockfights? <laughs> no, thousands upon thousands really? of dollars every Sunday. You're Filipino, man. Putting a $1,000 on a, on a cock named Barry. Right, like, you know, right. He just showed up and you'd be like, $1,000 cock named Barry. Be yeah. Like, yeah, look at look how big his feet are. His feet are, he clawed an eye. You can look at him, he's so excited to claw the eye out of his enemy. I'm not sure if that's a Filipino accent. I don't know. I'm not sure if that's accurate. <laughs> I don't know. But that's why I like battle bots, because you can bet, but they're machines. Oh, yeah. And I mean, well, no these guys had hurt. a great, I mean, they had a division of labor. Dave was out there taking bets. Willie was uh, backstage getting all the chickens ready. Oh, He'd clean up the dead ones. He'd put all the little spurs on their feet. I put the shoes on a chicken. Uh, Dave, uh, Dave does all the drinks and all the money and organizes all the stuff. My whole job is I put the shoes on the chicken uh, and I put the goggles on the chicken. And the hardest part is calming the chicken because you know what you have to do? Oh. Hours and hours yeah. of it. Tanya feel, loves it. Yeah, Willie, I gotta ask you, do you ever feel bad if you if you put the shoes on the chicken, you relate to the chicken, and then the chicken goes and dies in the ring? That must feel kind of make, make you sad. You know, I could be sad, but it's like nothing has ever made me feel a single thing. Oh. And so it's like a, it's like a weird I look at it and be like, I should be sad right now. But then it's like, but think about how happy Sofia Vergara will be once <laughs> this chicken is turned into concealer for her. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, and then besides just those two, they also had the Filipino butcher. His name was Pat Casanova. Ooh, yeah. and what a Casanova he was. Yeah, they had him uh, cooking up barbecue pig. Ooh. Yeah, so they had these, they had two big revenue streams like they had so much they were selling so much barbecue pig uh that willie and pat were like butchering pigs they had to store them in these big meat lockers so they'd have enough meat for every sunday and the other thing about that is that every once in a while like it was like an actual food business yeah. so every once in the freezers kept breaking down and the pigs would get very warm uh. Uh, but the food inspectors kept coming by and shutting them down and uh, instead of cleaning things up they just wait like a month until they knew the food inspector wasn't going to come back for a while and then just they just open back up Okay. Oh, great. Great, <laughs> great stuff. But Filipino great stuff. barbecue. The Canadian, the Canadian mm. infrastructure is really working there. <laughs> Filipino barbecue, a little pig. Oh, that's good, though. Oh, yeah. Mm. I mean, it's fantastic. I know. No, no, it's yes. fa- I bet it was fantastic meat. <laughs> Honestly, it does sound like a fucking great Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> Seeing a cockfight is on the side. You're, you're having a couple of drinks. You're eating delicious barbecue. I don't, I'm I'm starting to get sold. I got to get out of this one. Yeah, not the cockfight part. <laughs> not the cockfight part. But, yeah, yeah, if they were Presenting fun chickens. Yeah, just like, oh, you mean a chicken show? Or a dog show. (laughs) It's called a chicken parade. Chicken parade. I love that. <laughs> no, the, since the Pictons have been hosting parties at their place for years, Dave figured he might as well make some money off it. He got the idea as he was tearing down a country bar in a strip mall called the Boo Pub. And he, he salvaged <laughs> as much of the bar as he could and opened up the Piggy Palace on oh. the Picton farm. Since everyone called him Piggy, he's like, fuck it, let's call it the Piggy Palace. <laughs> and they officially incorporated it as the Piggy Palace Good Time Society. Oh, my my goodness. I really love it. Okay. <laughs> Hold on. So, okay. So this man now, how many people has he killed by the time he opened up the Piggy Palace? 1995? Ah, uh, man, I don't but we're know. In, we're, we're in some high numbers. We're, de- we're in double digits without double doubt. Digits. If not more. If not, it's definitely in the teens, if not the 20s. So this guy is a man about town. 
Everyone knows he owns the Piggy Palace. Well, he doesn't necessarily he doesn't necessarily own the Piggy Palace. Dave is the one that really owns the Piggy Palace. I mean, Willie kind of owns it with him. He's just doing all of the dumb shit work on the farm. Yeah. Okay. Basically, Dave is running everything. Willie's the weird dude who's hanging out in the background. He was a, he's the Charlie Murphy. Yeah. I see. Of the okay. group for a while. Or it's like where later it's like he would show his true colors, like Charlie Murphy did as well, with someone who can also stand on his own. Sure. <laughs> But he was like, at this point, was just kind of a hanger-on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, they should have remade that movie, Coyote Ugly. Call it Piggy Palace. (laughs) Now we have ourselves a true horror story for the times. And how brave it would be. How brave. Brave. And these guys, they went all in with the Piggy Palace. They hired security. They hired door people, bartenders. They had bands come in and play every Saturday night. Do we have any idea what bands were there? You got the Rush cover band Clush. (laughs) Um, Also, the Rush cover band Tom Sawyer's best friend. Um, the, the two Rush cover bands that are the best. Um, you've got uh, the the Willie Picton band. Oh. We just let him just go up there and play on a bucket, and he'd all laugh and throw chicken parts at him, and he'd oh, be like, "Thank nice. you, thank you." Like in like in a House of a Thousand Corpses. That's exactly what I am thinking. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Running down a dream. Of course, the Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers uh, cover band. R.I.P. Tom Petty. R.I.P. Tom that Petty. So one. sad. Honestly, it's incredibly yeah. sad. I'm sad that we brought it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, on a good night, these guys would bring in ten thousand dollars in one night. Wow. Sometimes they would bring in as much as forty grand. What, Canadian. Can forty you, grand Canadian. Can you imagine if this was on bar rescue? <laughs> and just be like, Willie, do you notice the the waitress is stealing some uh stealing some of your money there. She's charging extra for the drinks and pocketing the extra two dollars. That's her job. <laughs> and with everyone coming in and having a great time on his land, Willie Picton figured he'd try his hand at being one of the cool kids. (laughs) He decided it was time to finally polish up his look after Uh all these years. He took a shower. Wow. And a friend said it was the first time he'd never smelt pig shit on Willie Picton. Wow. I could see him taking a shower, and then he comes out of the shower and immediately becomes Robert Pictone. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies. Family matters. Champagne. Champagne for everyone involved. Caviar. Caviar. It's actually just... It's clumps of chicken shit, but I call it caviar. Well, the other problem Willie had with his own appearance was that he was bald. Oh. And so Willie <laughs> spent about $2,300 on a hairpiece from the hair club for men. Yep. Yeah. And so it was like it oh wasn't even, God. it didn't even, what they said is that the colors didn't even really match. Of course. They kind of matched, uh-huh. but not really. And the other thing was is that he never washed it. He never took the damn thing off oh. for months. God. So he'd go under a car to work on it, and he'd come out covered in grease, but never thought to wash any of the grease out of the toupee. So he's just a stinky mo from the Three Stooges <laughs> covered in do- uh, pig poop. You know what I got to say? The hardest part about being... Canadian is the thick hair. I just yeah. got to get all the knots out of this. Johnny, you notice anything different about me? Your hair looks great, Willie. Yeah, thank you so much. I purchased it. <laughs> now, eventually, the toupee had to be thrown away. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh the problem is, is, honestly, is that uh, I would have even kept it. A Harold. I named him Harold because uh, of that boy. But once he started speaking to me, because it would do stuff like I was just taking them off and putting them because like, I'm a little mannequin hand. I put it on the night when I go to sleep, and I would just look over at Harold and I'm like, "Good night, Harold." And it's like, "Call the police on yourself. <laughs> You're doing horrible crimes." And I was like, "You gotta get out of here. This thing's really it's busting my high." <laughs> 
so before oh long, God. this guy is so pathetic. He really he is, is so pathetic. Yeah. So before long, uh, the Piggy Palace attracted the attention of the surrounding community because the Pictons had sold off parcels of their land throughout the years, which is part of what made them millionaires because they mm. bought this land for almost nothing uh, back in, uh, I think, the 50s or the 60s. Uh, and then by the time Coquitlam grew and grew and grew, it was eventually pretty much like a suburb. And they even there was even like a golf course that ran right up to the back of the Picton property, <laughs> right where Willie lived. And Willie just loved terrorizing the golfers. He's a little gremlin out there. Oh Honestly, God. this is like Caddyshack. It if, is. If this was just funny, if there was no murders in this, this would be incredible. Yeah, just a weird bozo the clown looking pig shit covered guy running out of the golf course, snatching up golf balls and then running back to his land. That and then when people would come and be like, hey, give me my golf balls back, he's like, get off of my yeah. land. Well, if you rewatch Caddyshack. Oh, you see, I got your golf ball here, Mr. Fancy <laughs> Golfing Man. See what I do? He puts it into the front of his pants. Oh, it's in a sand trap. Better get your wedge. Hey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the fancy people in fancy dress probably going <laughs> humping the air. Oh my god. If you rewatch Caddyshack, yes, that is true. Bill Murray's character is a sociopath. Yeah, possibly. Yes. Yeah. But the Piggy Palace stayed open. And when they were called into court, they pleaded that everything was for charity. Oh. They, in fact, they incorporated the Piggy Palace Good Time Society as a charity. My father did the same exact thing. It was a part of his motorcycle like gang that he did for a while before the. Uh, my dad was actually offered a chance to open up the Hell's Angels chapter of Newark, and he said no mm. because he was going to be a cop. But before that, he was a part of a, a bike gang called the Cycle Paths. And what they would do is they would go around the neighborhood, and they would they would do put up signs say "Stop the Cycle Paths," and he would do this whole like big fundraiser to stop the menace that is the psychopaths in the neighborhood. They'd get a bunch of money from the people and then they'd buy beer with the money and yeah. drink it all night and just <laughs> raise hell. It was a scam. It was, a, it was an illegal scam operation. They yes. terrorized a community and then he went on to be a police officer, which is when we talk about systemic issues within our law enforcement. He was a fun guy back when fun was different. Uh -huh. Back when fun you could okay. be had in a different way. Well, one of the big things that you got to understand oh, about gosh. the Piggy Palace Good Time Society was that their parties were regularly attended by off-duty police officers and high-up city officials. Oh, my. I started going down this line a little bit. I started researching. I saw some really interesting forums on the internet, uh -huh. and we're talking about the conspiracies involved with how Willie Picton was maybe used by several high-end different, uh, you know, people, various parts of the government and police officers to clean up, quote-unquote, clean up the streets, um, and how maybe he was a member of MK Ultra and, like, all this kind of stuff, very deep, and I was like, I was getting very excited, and so I saw at the very end of this guy that was posting all of his really juicy stuff, connecting him to a guy named Doug Marshall that was a guy that was originally acquitted that said that he was a murderer, and then they got false evidence, like, all this shit. It was kind of questionable how why he was released and all of this shit. They said that he was technically innocent, but then they were like, maybe he was covered up by the government. I was like, oh, this is interesting. And at the very end of it, it was like, and then the person posting said, and this is how I knew that Willie Picton wasn't killing clones of me like everyone else is. I was like, fuck. And they're going into cloning oh, centers man. and how he was, how, yeah, you know, and that's how you could tell these sex workers weren't clones because they didn't have the same clone death scenario. And it was like, hold on. I was like, oh, he's insane. There yeah. it is. Start from the bottom. That's what I always say. With most internet conspiracy, if it becomes anti-Semitic or just absolutely insane, yeah, just do control. Like just do control F 
Zionist. Zionist. <laughs> like, Globalists right. will also work. Really? Oh, yeah, Globalists uh, also work. There's a lot of different things that yes, you can control F to see if, like, is this going to be a reliable source? <laughs> yeah, and this really, this may have something to do with why Willie wasn't investigated for so long. Mm-hmm. Not because of any big, stupid fucking conspiracy, but because these guys were out at the Piggy Palace every weekend because the Piggy Palace was apparently fun as shit. Like, it was super fun. They had yeah. fans. Like, everybody was partying. It's and called like, the like, Piggy Palace. Yeah, people would actually rent out the Piggy Palace for, like, anniversaries and birthdays and shit but like that. So there, everyone loved the Piggy Palace. There did have to be an odor, right? Or, yeah. I mean, there oh. ha- it had to smell like a fart. Dude, back in uh, in Lubbock, like, there was uh, that where I went to college, there was a stockyard uh, outside of town, and any time oh, the yeah. wind blew from the stockyards, all of Lubbock smelled like cow shit. Yep, and yeah, that yeah. wasn't even right next to Lubbock. Like, yep. you could be miles away from the stockyards, and you could still smell that cow shit from my, my, my yeah. miles away. I had an experience like that recently. The whole town just smells like like that, yeah. and uh, it just is what it is. Yeah, Yeah. so it definitely, as soon as you got to the Piggy Palace, you definitely had to deal with the smell of pig shit. But once you get used to it, it's what? just fine. You know what? And you can get used to it real fucking yeah, fast, trust me. <sighs> Very adaptable, the human not. nose. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Well, things wouldn't really get out of hand with Willie Picton until he met accomplice Gina Houston, who we'll meet in part three. Oh, my goodness. All right, there it is, Willie Picton, part two. What a maniac. What a strange story. I can't think of one quite like this. This is a really bizarre story, and really, you know, um, like I said, like, we we get this story from on the farm, uh, from this book. That's, you know, it's an amazing piece of investigative Mm. journalism, and we're having to really, like, skip over a lot of stuff with Willie Picton here. So go read the book. It's very long, but very detailed. Uh, it's, you know, I would say it's, it's my favorite uh, true crime book of the last couple of years. Like wow. it, it's really, uh, I could not recommend it enough. Like the, the, like the full, like fleshed out story. No, this story's yeah. been so yeah. much fun. It's, it's not yeah. fun. I'm sorry. It's interesting. Just, like, yeah. it's, it's interesting, yeah. but like the full fleshed out story of right. not just this person, not just Willie Picton, but also Dave Picton. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the other, she goes into a lot of the other people that hung around the Picton family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, you know, going into the lives of uh, the victims and yeah. going into the lives of the people who worked in uh, Vancouver's downtown east side. You know, the, the nurses and the volunteers and the caseworkers. Uh, it's very detailed. And it really uh, it puts you there. It's a I would recommend this book to anybody who likes true crime. Yeah, uh, it's not. I will tell you what though, this story does make me happy. I've showered. Oh yeah, I <laughs> feel I mean? very like, clean. It really does make me feel clean. I feel clean. Yeah, kind of a coyote ugly meets uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, uh, very uh, very traumatic stuff here. All right, well, that is, uh, that's it for Willie Picton Part 2. We'll pick it up now. Is that going to be the final installment ne- next one? Yeah, I'm not sure yet. Oh, yeah, my yeah, goodness. Yeah, yeah, There's I'm, a lot to get yeah, to here. Yeah, we still haven't shaped the rest of it yet. So, yeah, we just got to, we really have to, to get into it, and we'll see. Uh, it might be Part 3. Might, it might be three parts. It might be four parts. Wow. We gotta, I haven't started on the next There's one There's a bunch of All it. All right. Because uh, these see. things, in case you didn't know, these things take a very long time to put together. Yes, they do, and that's why we are <laughs> yes. so unbelievable. Yes, thank- it's unbelievably thankful for all the Patreon subscribers. Thank you all so much for allowing us to do this. Yes, always. Uh, thank you so much. And you can check out the Patreon. How do they get to that, Just Marcus? go to patreon.com slash last podcast on the left. We appreciate uh, anything and uh, 
uh, everything uh, that you want to give us, you know, from a dollar up, uh, we always, always appreciate it so Absolutely. much. Thank you so much. It's really great. Uh, we got a bunch of shit to announce. Yeah. So we got um, our LA show, I believe, is completely sold out on October 20th, the LRA Theater. There's still, I, I got an email there. Uh, they've released a couple okay. more tickets. Great. So those tickets are still available, but there are very few. I think there's something like 15 tickets left, okay. maybe 10. So go and get those as soon as you can. And there's an opportunity to get two free tickets. Um, if you donate to the No New Dudes clothing drive that we have going on at several locations in Los Angeles, which is at the Hyena Gallery in Burbank, we've got the Bearded Lady Mystic Museum that's over close to Burbank, and we've got the Bigfoot Lounge in Glendale. we got a box. You drop off whatever clothes. We're looking for men's clothes only because of the concentration of women's clothes that are already out there, but any clothes are accepted, any sort of items that like that people could use, especially teenagers could use. Um, you go drop it off in the in the bucket, and then you go... And you take a picture of it. You put it on Instagram. Hashtag Sam, Sam Hain Gala, which is Sawen Gala. Hashtag No New Dudes. And we'll pick one random person. We'll give you two free tickets to the show. All right. It's just that easy. And then uh, let's see. We, we have the show in Omaha. It's October. Yeah. yeah. We're not even talking about our, our – it's October. It's, t- it's, it's time. I feel it in the air. This is our like, – I, I think it's important to remember this Halloween season, it's not just one day a year. Halloween can be every day. If you just let it into your hearts to dress as a creepy skeleton, dress as a skeleton and go to work in May. Dress as a sexy witch and go to the DMV in a July every (laughs) once in a while. And also, I don't know. We're going to have our listener pasta episode coming up. We're going to have some people. So people have already, if you got scary stories and this time, honestly, let's get some fucking good, scary shit. I want an abduction story. Oh, real the, bad. Oh, a real abduction story. I was about to say, like, the fucking pyramid of human heads uh, story in Iraq that we heard last yeah, year wasn't we some, scary enough. Yeah, we had some pretty horrifying <laughs> ones. And, More. Uh, <laughs> yes, no. Um, yeah, so yeah. we'll do that. Where can people submit those stories? Uh, submit those stories to uh, the last podcast network at gmail.com. Awesome. And we're going to be, I believe we're going to be taking those calls uh, on the Thursday before the L.A. show. We're actually, we're all going to be in L.A. together, so we're going to take those calls that's from right. Henry's apartment uh, in L.A. So that's, we're only going to be taking calls for just that day. That's the only day we can get yeah, off to do it. Yeah, very finite amount of time. So uh, hopefully, yeah, we'll, we'll get the right calls in there. Yes, and we'll also be taking written submissions. So if there are people out there that want to just type out their story and type it in a fun narrative way, you feel more comfortable doing that than just talking to us over the phone, do that too, because that would be all, we would read those alive, aloud on the show. Keep, and keep it, keep it a little bit short. What do you think, five to seven minutes? minutes yeah no even shorter than that okay. keep it very short keep it concise uh keep that keep that shit on point yeah and of course we'll do a little editing as well so uh you know if, if it's a little bit too long or something yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. um all right so uh is that base that's basically it right well yeah follow us on twitter at henry yep. loves you at marcus parks at ben kissel follow us on instagram at dr fantasty at marcus parks at ben kissel the number one and follow last podcast and left and all of the bullshit at LP on the left. All right, everyone. Hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Hail Gein. Let's do a Magustalations. Sure. The hail me. And also, what I'll say this, man. Just like, just don't go to a pig farm to party unless you know the guy. But they knew the you guy. Know the guy. That's actually. I guess they did. Yeah. I guess they did. I don't know, man. I mean, this really, like, the pig farm really, the whole thing really reminds me of this place back home called Judd. Like where they used to have this party every year called Judd Fest, and it's yep. and I've been I've been to a party like yeah? this before. Uh, God, it 
It's fucking awesome. They're a blast. Judd Fest sounds great. <laughs> Judd Fest for for the first few years, Judd Fest was an absolute fucking blast. They just put a country band on a big flatbed trailer, and everybody just hang out in a field and get fucking trashed for three days. Judd Fest was a fucking blast. And technically, you were the one that most people thought would be a serial killer. No. So you were safe. No. You were not, safe. Not no. beautiful Marcus. <laughs> no, there were plenty of other yeah. candidates besides me. All right. No. Um, well, maybe that'll be the, the competition at the Halloween show in L.A. Uh, who, who's most likely? And, yes, yes, that would be actually fun. Make sure you wear your funny costumes for the L.A. show. That's it. All right, everyone. Talk to you soon, Magustalations. Goodbye, and be sure not to wear a co- be sure not wear a costume that obstructs anyone else's view. No wings. Oh, uh, no wings. <laughs> oh my. Goodbye. Good to go, Marcus. Good to go. All right, it's time for the Patreon shoutouts. Thank you all so much. Uh, we also want to plug our Hail Yourself T-shirt. Yeah, we got now, this. Is a limited edition. This is a limited edition. It's only going to be on sale for about another week. You can go to represent.com/slash Hail Yourself uh, to check it out. Yes, check it out. All right, everyone. Let's start the shoutouts. Samir Chada, thank you all so much. Thank you so much. Hand, hand banana, hand banana, hand banana. That's- I believe that is an Aquatine reference. Okay, Christopher Mabry, Chris Hughes, Mary Esposito. Laura Lowry, Anthony Higginson, Becky Delgado, thank you so much. Dotron, not to be confused with Dotard. <laughs> Dotard. Dotard. Sarah Ireland, Hannah Cornwell, William Bennett, Megan Monaco, Yvonne Bolin, Nurse Leah, thank you, Nurse Leah, Justine, uh, Justin Snyder, or Justine Snyder. I think it's Justine if there's an E at the end. Yeah. Justine Snyder. Sure. Will Thornton. Jamie Kang, uh, Kangalosi. Willie Lo- Thornton, that's, that is, that's a friend of ours. What's going on, bro? All right, what up, dude? Uh, Laura Mead, Will Griffith. Let's continue on here with Justin Luckenbaugh, Rebecca Alaze, uh, uh, Hillary Flockhart, Jake Nowakowski, 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 Tim Hill, Jacelyn, <laughs> Jacqueline Smith, Zoe Jeez. Pruitt, Courtney Chambers, Heather Morehouse, Christopher Cooper, Jasmine Kalnick, Severn Gourley, Gourley, Paul Bamford, <laughs> Dejan Dejuric, Anna Ramirez, Kristen P., Kelly Patton, MJ Brennan, Ryan Larvey, and Jake Henson. Hail yourselves. Thank you so much. Uh, we've got Ramon, John O'Brien, C. Norvell, Matthew Richeza, Seth Biskind, Hannah Jones, Justin Key, Kylie Harrington, Brandy Frederick, Bryce Ray, Will W. Sawyer, Becca, Taylor Nicholson, Jen Sedge, Richard Nett, Itu Sivula, Unknown, Vanessa Almendares, Mallory Udi, MC Megascops, Megascops, Lori George, Megan Paynes, that's what penis. I have. That's I have a have. penis. <laughs> how is it pronounced? How is it spelled? Penis. P a n i s, I believe. Penis. This is P a n u s, so it's penis. Oh. Penis. Penis. <laughs> Humpleby. Lauren what? Cooper. Manzi Howe. Yvette Seaton. Murder Road Trip Podcast. Oh, Daniel right. Beach. Sonia Malm. Josie Wicks. Desiree Johnson. Jeremy Bolte. Sawyer Landers, B.J. McDonald, Lindsay Mellard, Rachel Parkerson, Tom McColgan, Nessa Dundon, 
Jennifer M. Allen, Anon. Catherine Allison, Jeffrey Connors, My Gooch, Christian Tom, Lucy Rothwell, Sarah, Aaron St. Roman, Doug Chevrolet, Samuel Meha, Mejia, Nisa Hamilton, Jake Hartle, Scarlett Rugers, Ocalte Veritatis, Danny Tatum, Danielle Cheshire, Jared Luce, what's going on, bro? Stuart Whiterod, Victor, <laughs> JT, and Murdoch. I got Linnea Asberg, William Higgum, Sam Law, Mike Lockerbie, Jason Sebacker, Alec Forbes, Nori, Clarissa Fuller, Chris Gutierrez, Kate Manson, Rich Karski, Polly Smith, the B-Boy of Pittsburgh. Whoa! <laughs> the B-Boy of Pittsburgh. <laughs> Jennifer G. Card. Class clown Johnny Gacy. Uh-oh. Oh, yikes. <laughs> <laughs> Laurel Rotino. Antonio Munoz. James Knapp. James R. Hernandez. Ooh. Daniel Zucco. Mm-mm. Joseph Charlesworth. Dan- Wait, Danny Zucco? Danny Zuko. Danny Whoa. Zuko. Oh, boy. Have you heard? Have you heard? Does he love at first sight? Joseph Charlesworth. Priscilla Vasquez. J.D. Sorvari. Jessica Maskell. Morgan Bass. Richard Margolin. Mm. Dustin Bolden. Philip Liljestrand. 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 Okay. Samuel Lang. Colleen Smith. Dr. Green Chicken. Uh-oh. Alice Lacey. Stephen Milan. Lysander Hansen. This one just made it hard on purpose. My I All Aminute. Okay. Oh. Rodzella Aragundi. Joshua Messenger. Don't we know that guy? Maybe. Maybe. Anna, Anna Marie Million. Cameron guy, oh. Cameron Giles, and Lilka Marina. All right. Marino. Lilka Marino. Marino. Uh, Dan Marino. Great quarterback. Never won a Super Bowl. Matt Haig. Rylan. Martin Edwards. Chris Mum Power. I like that Mum Power. Torsten Hyad. Uh, Torsten Hild Peterson. Uh, Chris Fincher. Jeruel Von Leuden. Julie Moore, Andrew Lenars, Miriam Benjema, Robert Schultz, Scotty Bell, Emmanuel Labonte, Helen Donahue, Sally Hughes, Allison Morrill, Freddie Mudgett, Alan oh. Lee. Freddie Mudgett. Herman, Herman Mudgett. Herman Mudgett. Holmes real name. Ooh. Freddie Mudgett Gately, as a matter of fact, there. Uh, Alana Spalding, Peter M. Ewing, Riley Thompson. Let me continue on with Jeremy Johns. Uh, Chase Zakowski, Sarah Kovalsik, Charles Lonnie Eastenson, Mackenzie Tuete, or Tuete, Tuete, Toot, or it could just be Toot. It's T-U-I-T-E. Toot. Toot. Mackenzie Toot. Kayla to Lopez. Tuete? I, I think don't know. it's Toot. Toot? It could be Toot. Get to it. Mackenzie Toot. Kayla Lopez, Morgan, Kathleen, Holly Wagner, Lee, David Otter, Alana Mortensen, Brianna Kristen, Kimberly Marsh. Ooh, mm. Beverly Marsh. It. <laughs> Coaster Robertson, uh, Allie Althous, Althous, Lily Laurel, Chris Blackburn, 
Mike the Fly Hopkins, boxing out of the red corner, Mike the Fly Hopkins, and Claudia. Thank you all so much. Hail yourselves. Uh, Co- Carrie Boyez, Melanie Wolford, Joshua R. Schilling, Merlin Pham, Tony Nall Jr., Steve Robick, Cody W. Ingram, Julian Acuna, Samantha Hall, Robert Suarez, Joey Bagul, Randy Kazarowski, Laura, Lauren Ward, Monica Schunk, Allison Bormitt, Sergeant Pepperdimples, Chris Mills, Matthew J. Plum, Nicole Wanolowski, Jacob Veda, Sarah Giddings, Anton Alid, Martha Olson, Blade Cross. Simon Ebbs. Joanne Boshoff. Jason Freibach sucks huge cocks. Your pal T.S. Richardson. <laughs> what was that last name? Jo- Jason Freibach sucks huge cocks. Your pal T.S. Richardson. <laughs> the eminent Dr. J. Tony. Ellis Usury. And Melissa Shook. Hail Satan. Thank you for your money. We got Marina Santos, Meta Sutton, Fanny, Kelly, Catherine Hayashi, John Fillmore, Matthew Kittridge, Karen Birch, Emily Herring, David, Tom Marauder, Kelly O'Connell, Brennan Cockle, Anna Marie Million. Ooh, she got on twice. Oh. Kelly McIntosh, Ethan Vio, Megan McMahon, Sir Joseph Banksy. Nick. Well, thank you, Sir Joseph Banksy. <laughs> well, very kind of you, Sir. salutations to you, Sir Joseph. Nick. Keegan Cole. Grant Garrard. Matthias Bjorklund. Jen Piasecki. Piasecki. Nikos Hessert. Mark Hershey. Amanda White. Loopy Spence. Super Claymation. Musigami. Brittany Phillips. I think we know Brittany Phillips. Maybe. Yeah, I think we do, but it's also a common name. Toby Wicks, Trevor McDonough, Johnny Simpson, Cassie Goetti, Aaron Z- Zacharyish. Zacharyish. Okay. I think it's Zacharyish. Zacharyish will do. Clay Sizemore, Christine Clossy, Neil McFarland, Taylor Pinheiro, Sophia Olson, James Buoti, Matt Yunker, Megan Boatwright, Stephanie Schumann. Catherine Pete Peace, Carissa Neese, Charles Hain, Axel Morlotti, John Bellow, Nathan Brocious, Will Wojcik, Sarah Nims, TJ Anderson, Seth, Joseph Ricks, Rohit, Claire Elizabeth Stanksy, Claire. <laughs> I just, I'm sorry to be laughing. I like that. It's cool. <laughs> Claire Agner. Jenna McMaster and Ren Beach. Thank you all so much. Hail yourselves. You have made this all possible. We look forward to seeing you all at the live shows coming up in the very, very near future. Absolutely. Thank, Thank you so much. Thank you so much, y'all. Y'all. Oh, why yeah. we do this. Magustalations, everyone. Hail Satan. Hail Gein. Hail me.
Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.